Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Clark and Miller English Podcast. And if this is your first time here, for all your new, your new, lovely, wonderful, uh, awesome, absolutely fabulous, excellent, bodacious new listeners, uh, yeah, just welcome, welcome. Um, yeah, couple of things before we start, as usual. I'll make it quick this time. Well, there's a cat for a start. Hey, Freya. Hey. Um, first of all, uh, I got to warn you that I accidentally recorded this podcast episode with my laptop microphone. So as a result, I sound a bit like a Dalek from the Doctor Who series. Um, it's quite jarring at the beginning, but I've tried to soften it up with some music at the beginning. And you know what? I've listened to, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, you know, sometimes I get, I hear the same thing, an apology at the beginning of the episode saying, oh, sorry, we've recorded, sorry for the sound quality, please bear with us. And you know what? It's usually okay. You know, after a few minutes, I just get used to it. So I hope, I hope you get used to the bad quality of the audio in this. Focus on the words. Don't worry about the quality of the audio. You'll, you'll get used to it, I hope. Um, yeah, so today um, we're going to look at some cool stuff. We're going to look at um, different ways we can use will with if and why we don't use will with if when we don't. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, that makes sense. That's fine, isn't it? So we're going to look at that. Uh, we're going to look at why there are some things in English that don't have any reason to be there, except in my, my hot take, my theory today, there are some things in English that are just there for the rhythm, to, to provide rhythm to the language, not meaning. Um, that's kind of fun. Now we're going to look at that. And finally, we're going to look at how meanings change but when you use a verb and when you use a co uh, its collocation. So, you know, when you decide something or make a decision, when you take a risk or when you risk, when you make a suggestion or when you suggest, when you walk or have a walk, um, when you drive or take a drive or when you run or, or, or go for a run, why do we have these two versions of the same thing and how are they different? So that's it. Yeah, we're going to look at these three sort of completely random sort of hot takes uh, in English. Okay, so let's just get going with it. Let's just get started. Are you ready for the bad quality? You'll get used to it in about three or four minutes, I promise you. So yeah, just start listening, get used to it. Uh, so we're going to go from nice, um, lovely microphone voiced me now to Dalek me in a minute. Okay, good luck. All right. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And I'll talk at you next time. Okay, and here we go. Yeah. Um, today, it's going to be a bit of a hodgepodge of different things. We're going to look at three hot takes. I'm going to call them hot takes. I think they're hot takes. Three different sort of um, random ideas about different aspects of English. Uh, we're going to look at the weirdness, some of the weirdness of will. Will is a really weird word. Will, just saying it, feels weird. Will. Will is weird. Um, so we're going to look at like will and especially will in conditional sentences or not not existing in conditional sentences. We're going to look at um, how I think maybe that lang some language we use is not, it doesn't make sense. The only way it makes sense is that it, it's about how it sounds, not what it does. Okay, that's kind of cryptic, isn't it? But you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see that. 
Um, yeah, so it's all about the rhythm of things. And also we're going to look at the relationships between uh, like verbs and collocations. Like verbs like decide and collocations like make a decision. Verbs like walk and collocations like go for a walk. And why they're different. Uh, yeah, that's it. So will, rhythm and collocations if you want them in simple words. But yeah, let's just get cracking will. So yeah, I was actually thinking about um, why we don't use will with if. But we do use will with if. Okay, so I was kind of thinking about the general rule of not using will with if when we learn about um, conditional sentences, especially, you know, early on in our English learning journeys, we hear like, oh yeah, if you never use will with if, if, if uses present tense or past tense. Um, and I want to look at that rule, but first we need to look at the situations when we actually do use will with if. Um, yeah, so you, you get a lot of like classic mistakes, I guess you could call them. Things like, if we will have time, we'll see the 80s museum. No, not correct. We would say if we had, if we have time, we will see the 80s museum. Uh, mistakes like, we can ask the boss if he will come. Not really correct. We can ask the boss if he comes. Uh, so yeah, why we won't use, <laughs> why we won't, why we don't use will with if sentences. Um, but first of all, we need to look at all those situations when we actually totally, completely do use will with if. Uh, yeah, I was looking into this, I did a bit of research just to like really clear it up in my head. I found a really, really good BBC World Service article, which I will add to the um, description of the podcast. Um, I'll, I'll put a link of that up. It was very good. Uh, it basically covers more or less everything. So yeah, in this article, we see basically three situations. I think there were more in the article, but I considered two of the situations kind of the same. Three situations where we use if and will in the same clause. Uh, examples. So the first one is results rather than condition. Well, what does that mean? Well, usually when we uh, have an if sentence, a conditional sentence, uh, we have something like, you know, if we have time, we'll see the 80s museum. So, okay, so you've got a condition, if we have time, that's the condition, we'll see the 80s museum. So in this case, it's a condition we don't use will. But we have situations when the if clause isn't describing a condition, but it's actually describing the results, the hypothetical results of something. So instead of uh, the condition happening as a precursor to the main clause, you know, if we have time, we'll see the 80s museum, having time is first, 18th museum is, is after, is second. Instead of that, we have the condition being after the results. So it's kind of like the results of the action. For example, it, if you'll definitely finish it, I'll pay for the course. If you will definitely finish it, I'll pay for the course. Cool, so we got if and will, right? because paying for the course is first and then the condition is the result of paying for the course. Whereas, if we have time, we'll see the 80s museum. Having time is first and the condition is first and the action is the result of the condition. 
<laughs> okay, another example.、Um, if it will give you some fresh ideas, then talk to Barry. If it will give you some fresh ideas, then talk to Barry. Talk to Barry if it will give you some fresh ideas. So yeah, Barry is is full of fresh ideas. So again, we have talking to Barry first, and then the result. But the result is also the condition. Talk to Barry only if you think it will give you some fresh ideas. You see what's happening here, right? It's basically the condition happening after the main action. If it will help us out, we'll do it. So yeah, we do it first, and then it will help. Yeah, so that's it, really. Like results rather than condition. I mean, the BBC said results rather than condition. It's more like that the results and the condition are the same. So yeah, if we have time, we'll visit the eighties museum. The condition is if we'll have time, and the result is the main action. But、um, if it will give you some fresh ideas, then talk to Barry. The <laughs> the main action is. Just the main action, but the condition and the result are in the same place. If it will, if and will together, when the condition and the result are the same. Okay, so that's the first situation. The second situation is basically when we use will to mean insist on.、Uh, examples, good idea. Let's check them out. If you will do that, you will die pretty young. I like that. If you'll do that, you will die pretty young. Probably smoking. It's usually smoking. Pretty bad habit. Yeah. If you will do that. So what does it mean? It means if you insist on doing that. If you will do that, you'll die pretty young. Another example. If he will keep calling the police, then they'll get pretty angry with him. If you if he will keep calling the police, then they'll get pretty angry with him. Again, like if he insists on keeping on calling the police. Then they'll get pretty angry with him. So you have this idea of just like wanting to do something again and again. Now, will is an interesting word. Will, will is weird, right? And will is a really old word. And as a result, it has kind of a lot of different meanings. And if you think about, if if there are any German speakers out there, what does ich will mean, right? Ich will. Well, it simply means I want, right? I desire. It doesn't mean I will. So obviously, this word "will" used to mean something closer to "want" or "desire." We still have it in phrases like、uh, "he has the will to do something,"、uh, meaning you know he has the desire to do something, or you know "iron will," like a、uh, strong resolve, strong confidence.、Um, so yeah, this word "will" is quite old, and yeah, we can use it. Just really to mean insist on or kind of like desire. If you will do that, you'll die pretty young. Meaning, like if you want to do that, if you insist on doing that, if you if you decide to do that, if you desire to do that, that kind of thing. So in a way, will isn't really about the future in, in this in this situation at all, at all. And the third situation、uh, when we use if and will together is、um, meaning refuse. So in a way, it's kind of like the second one. It's just the negative. So we use won't. So、uh, yeah, for an example, you can have a if you won't come with us, we'll have to find another Cinderella. If you won't come with us, we'll have to find another Cinderella. Or I don't know what we're going to do if he won't agree to this. I don't know what we're going to do if he won't agree to this. And this kind of makes sense, right? This is like, it's like again. 
the opposite of want, you know, if he doesn't want to, if he refuses to. Um, yeah, and again, this is the ich will uh, situation. Will meaning want, will meaning desire, won't meaning not want, refuse. I quite like this uh, example from the BBC website as well. If you'll just fill in this form before you go, you can hand it into reception. If you will just fill in this form before you go, you can hand it into reception. The will here, if you will just fill in this form, it means want, right? Straight away, it kind of means want. If you want to fill in this form before you go, very formal, very distancing, not assuming. If you want to, you can do it. If you will. Um, if you have the will to fill in this form. Another example is... Um, so yeah, we have those three situations when if and will are used together. Uh, results rather than, con well, when results and condition are the same. Uh, I'll pay for the course if you'll definitely finish it. Uh, when it means insist on or kind of just want. Um, if he will keep calling the police, they will get angry with him. And also, yeah, uh, the opposite of that meaning refuse. I don't know what we're going to do if he won't agree to this. So yeah, those are the ifs and wills together, the main ones. But, you know, those are quite specific situations. And generally speaking, when we use like if in a sort of non-hypothetical conditional situation, like the first conditional, for example, yeah, we generally don't use if and will together. So will is basically a modal verb, right? So why don't, why don't we use if with will usually? Why can't we say... If it will rain tomorrow, we won't have a picnic. You know, that makes sense. It's logical, isn't it? You know, tomorrow is the future. Will can be used for the future. Why don't we use will with this situation? Why do we say if it rains tomorrow when we're talking about the future? Now, I think there's a situation here where we have redundancy. Um, we have if, right? And if is basically expressing a condition. And Condition is basically expressing a type of modality. What's modality? Well, modality is when you basically don't have certainty. If you have a sentence like, my hair is blonde, or uh, he really likes um, Mali jazz music, then these are complete statements, right? They, they're 100%. My hair is blonde. There's no question about it. He really likes Marley jazz music. There's no question about it. It's a full statement. If we say stuff like, he might like Marley jazz music, or my hair must be blonde, then we have this level of uncertainty. And when we use modal verbs, for example, will, might, may, can, must, should, we're making things less complete and more questioned. You know, there's a question mark above them. Um, and I think also if is a kind of modality, because when we use, you know, if it rains tomorrow, that we have a question mark over whether it will rain tomorrow or not. If is contributing to the modality of the sentence, right? So when we use if, it's kind of introducing modality to the sentence. There's uncertainty. So why would we have more modality? Why would we introduce something like will? into the sentence and create even more modality. The modality is already there from if. So is will really like adding modality? I mean, 
It's quite a strong meaning. It will rain tomorrow. Isn't that a complete sentence? Yeah, that's a good question. Yes and no. Um, if you look at uh, one of uh, my blog posts called The English Verb, which I write about how verbs really work, uh, according to um, a great writer, Mike Lewis, uh, you'll see that like will is never quite 100%. When you use will, you're kind of saying, this is the world as I see it from my personal perception. It produces a sense of subjectivity, which to me means it's not completely certain, which means there's some modality there. So this is my, this is basically my hot take. Why don't we use will with if? Why don't we say, if it will rain tomorrow, we won't have a picnic? Because if already produces the uncertainty. And there's already modality in the sentence. We don't need more modality. Okay, so yeah, basically the will is redundant. Now, this is a loose hot take here. And I think out of the three big hot takes I've got today, this is probably the weakest one. But what do you think? Really, what do you think? If you're um, listening on the podcast, send me an email, gabriel at clarkandmiller.com. And tell me whether you think what I said was complete rubbish or whether you kind of agree or anything in the middle. You know, give me your modality. Um, if you're watching on the YouTube uh, video, the YouTube, if you're, if you're listening on YouTube, just bash it out in the comments. Um, and yeah, yeah, will. Do we not use will with if because it's redundant, because if is modal? Okay, moving on to the next one. Okay. Some things are just there to add to the rhythm of a sentence. There are some words we use or some structures we use in English that I think we only really do because it sounds better. It doesn't add any meaning. It doesn't add any nuance. It doesn't create any perceptions. I think there are a couple of features which we're going to look at today uh, where... Um, there's no real reason. I can't see any reason why they exist except because they sound good. Uh, the first example, a very big hat or an amazingly stupid head or a cunningly crafted plan or a really silly idea. So we've got things like very adjective noun, uh, amazingly adjective noun, an amazingly stupid head. A cunningly adjective noun, a really adjective noun. So we have this sort of adverb adjective noun structure, right? Almost all the time. A very big hat, an amazingly stupid head, a cunningly crafted plan, a really silly idea. Great. But what about quite? Why, do, why is this? We don't say a, a quite big hat. It sounds a bit odd. We can, but we don't. We don't say a quite stupid head. It feels a bit weird. We say quite a big hat or quite a stupid head. Um, for some reason, we prefer switching the article and the adverb, or the quantifier. Quite a big hat, not a quite big hat. But why? Why would we do this? Why are we breaking the rule here? There doesn't seem to be any really good reason. Well, I think it's just simply that it sounds better. A quite big hat is quite, is quite difficult to say. A quite big hat. Quiter. Now that, that rolls off the tongue really well. Quiter. You have a t, -a, which is very easy to say. Quiter. 
uh, yeah, quite a quite a big hat, quite a stupid hair, quite a quite a crafted plan. Doesn't sound like yeah, quite a stupid head, quite a silly idea. Yeah, quite a, a quite a quite. You know, that's much more difficult. Uh, or it sounds really weird if you say it a lot of times. A quite a quite no quite a quite a. Okay, so. That's it. I mean, there's nothing much more to say about that. Why does that break the rule? I think it's simply because it sounds better and it's easier to say. And this also reminds me of the word some. Now, like some, we use it a lot, right? It's a really common word. But why do we need this word? Like, it really has no meaning. What does some mean? Some means an amount. But if you're talking about something, there's automatically an amount. It doesn't say whether it's a little or a lot or a medium size. It's just, it's just some. Some has no meaning at all. Um, you know, like you hear, I hear some like kind of classic mistakes. Um, I guess they're mistakes. They don't sound very natural, uh, from my students. Things like, uh, we spent some hours on the beach. Like it's a bit, it sounds a bit strange because we, we want to just go, oh, how many, like a lot of hours, a few hours, one or two hours. It doesn't really have any meaning. And, and it, as a result, it kind of sounds a bit strange. Um, but that's why we don't use some with units of time, right? Like hours. Some hours sound strange because we usually use hours with something we can measure. Um, we don't say some years. It just doesn't have any meaning. But, you know, we still use some, despite the fact that it has no real meaning. We say things like, I bought some bread. Daria's working on some paintings now. Uh, we'll need some more chairs for tonight. You know, like these sentences, I brought some bread. Daria's working on some paintings. We'll need some more chairs. This is like what I would say when I want to express these thoughts. I probably would almost always use some. Here, listen again, but this time without some. I bought bread. Daria's working on paintings right now. We'll need more chairs for tonight. That last one sounds okay, doesn't it? Because of more, it's, it's, it's still got that feeling. I bought bread. That sounds very, very, very short, doesn't it? Daria's working on paintings right now. It almost sounds kind of contemptuous. It almost sounds dismissive. She's working on paintings. Uh, she's working on some paintings. I bought some bread. Like, it feels better, right? It bounces more. It has a more sort of, more sort of nice rhythm. It has a nicer rhythm to it. I think um, it might be related to the iambic pentameter. I didn't completely check this yet. The iambic pentameter, by the way, is um, a rhythm that the English language is like loosely falls into. That's why we get this sort of da dun da dun da 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 dun sort of rhythm to English. You know, if you're listening to the rhythm of people speaking English, you da 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 dun da dun da 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 dun da dun. It's that sort of feeling, right? Um, and I think some contributes to this iambic pentameter feeling. Um, it rarely gives us any more meaning. It just flows better. I bought some bread. Dana's working on some paintings right now. Da dun da dun. I don't know. This is this is how it feels to me. Quieter and some are kind of there just for the rhythm, to make things flow and to think let things roll off the tongue more easily. So that's my second hot take. Uh, yeah, there are there are features of English that are only there in order 
to, to, to make things fall into rhythm a bit better. Uh, do you know any other things in English that just seem to exist for the sake of rhythm? Can you think of any other examples like this? Have you noticed any other examples like this? Things that exist that seem to be there just to make things flow better. Um, yeah, well, if you do, you know what to do. Bash it out in the comments on YouTube or send me an email, gabriel at clarkandmiller.com. Finally, the third hot take of the evening. If it's evening, I don't know. Is it evening? It's not even evening here. I don't know why I said that. But yeah, could be evening where you are. In which case, good evening. Anyway, the third hot take is verbs and their collocations have different uses. Okay, so let's look at some examples straight away. Okay, so we've got uh, things like make a decision and decide, right? So make a decision is a collocation and decide is a verb, right? So far, so good. The same with take a risk and risk or make a suggestion and suggest. So why do we have these two choices? Are they the same? Well, generally speaking, I think we use the verb, like decide, when we want to use an object. So we don't just decide. We decide on something or we decide to do something. Um, but when we just want to talk about the general action, we say make a decision. So, you know, for example, we need to make a decision. Stop. That's it. We need to make a decision. We're only looking at the act of making a decision, the act of deciding. But if we want to be more specific, that's probably when we'd go for the verb. We need to decide on, we need to decide on the color for the new kitchen. He decided to cancel the concert because of COVID numbers. Um, you know, we're being more specific. We're talking about what we're deciding or how we're deciding something. If we're just talking about the act of deciding, then it's the collocation, make a decision. We need to make a decision. Uh, it was midnight when they finally made a decision. Less specific, more focusing on the act. Same with like take a risk, you know. Um, I don't want to take a risk. Okay, you're speaking generally about, you know, taking a risk. I don't want to risk losing my house. Uh, now you're being specific. Or, you know, I don't want to risk my happiness. You're being specific. So, we're using the verb to be specific and using an object with the verb, or we use the collocation to be more general and just to talk about the act. And one, once more, same again with like make a suggestion. Uh, it would be nice if you could make a suggestion, speaking generally, speaking about the act. He suggested leaving the house and going for a walk because everyone was getting really angry about talking about collocations. He suggested doing something there, right? So something specific. Or may I suggest uh, that you stop looking at your computer screen and maybe enter the real world for a minute? Again, suggest actions, things, something specific. We have like objects or clauses after the verb suggest. Make a suggestion. That's just a general act. Okay, so that's the cool thing about like verbs and collocations. Um, there's a sort of relationship between them, right? They serve different purposes. And I think um, you can see this really well when you look at um, activities. Uh, let's look at the verb uh, walk. Uh, you can take a walk or you can just walk, right? So we have the collocation, take a walk, or go for a walk or have a walk. And you have the verb walk. 
But here, walk doesn't have an object, right? So I don't think it's being more specific about how or what you're walking, right? When we um, when we use the collocation or when we use the verb, I think we're looking at different functions, right? We're talking about this act in different ways. When you take a walk, it feels like an activity. But when you walk, it feels more like a sort of physical action. And usually when we use the verb, we're reserving it for things like um, how we walk or how far we walk or like how we get somewhere. You know, if, 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 you, if you walk to work every day, then you would use the verb, right? Because you're pointing out how you get to work and it's the verb. Um, or he walked 100 miles on his holiday. Like we're being, we're talking about how far he walked. We're being very specific. So again, the verb is reserved for very specific things. But if you just want to talk about a general sort of activity, yeah, last weekend I, I, I had a walk in the park or I went for a walk in the park or I took a walk in the park. So the collocation is reserved for the sort of general activity. Similar with make a decision, make a decision, take a walk. These are sort of just focusing on the act itself. But decide or walk, now we start specifying, you know, decided on green for the kitchen. Or he walked 100 miles without shoes on. You know, we're being very specific and walking is no longer an activity. It's just an action. Uh, you see it for, with other verbs like this too. You know, you can say like, he drove to work. Now driving, that's the verb. The drive, the driving is just like how he got to work. It's kind of incidental. Um, compare that to, you know, he went for a drive. Driving is the whole point of this activity, right? So it's driving as an act in the same way that making a decision is making a decision as an act. She ran a hundred miles. Okay, cool. She ran a hundred miles. It's a verb and it's just incidental to the hundred miles. It all kind of comes together. She went running. Cool. No details. It's just like the general act of going running. So yeah, when we're talking about free time activities, we would probably say like, I like going running or I like going for a run or I like taking a run or I like walking. I like going for a walk. Um, I went for a walk in the park. Um, activities generally take the collocations, right? So, yeah. Okay, those are the three hot takes. That last one, I think it was less of a hot take than the other two. I think I'm going to go as far as to say that that is basically just right. Now, that's quite bold, isn't it? So, if you, if you think that isn't basically just right, I would love to hear from you. Again, you know, bash it out in the YouTube comments or send me an email, gabriel at clarkamilla.com. We can talk about this stuff. But yeah, those are the three the three hot takes of the day. Um, I hope you enjoyed the menu. That was will, using will with if and why we don't usually use will with if. Um, why some things exist just for the rhythm of the language. And finally, verbs and their collocations have different uses and focus on different things. All right, cool. That was rather random today. I appreciate that that was very random and went off into some strange places, but I hope you enjoyed it and I hope it gave you food for thought. I love thinking about these kinds of things. My brain never goes far away from thinking about grammar and things like that. And um, 
thought I might just put that in the podcast because you know where else is where else are these thoughts going to go <laughs> right okay well thanks for listening it was um it was, it was a real pleasure doing that really enjoyed it and i will talk at you next time see you later <laughs>